You are entering a dimension of sight and sound. And willies, welcome to Monster Porn, Weird Fiction and Horror Podcast. Today's feature is Penance by Matt Cummins, supported by the short Looking at Women from a Distance by me, Brett Norwood. Thunder Mountain, the dwelling and throne of a god so ancient that his name no longer lives among men. Uh, yeah, I've been here before, remember? Yes, I do. But I feel a place of such gravity demands the dignity of an introduction. Like entering the court of a king. Oh, fuck you both. Oh, he's getting a little testy. Will this thing hold him? An Ark of Solomon will let no demon escape. I'll admit it's rattling at the seams. I hope that I constructed it properly. What do you mean? The instructions were in Aramaic. Almost to the summit now. If there is any entity capable of banishing Pug the so-called desolator of Abath Kanath, who has been impersonating a teacup pig to parasitize your family's hearts. It will be the unknown god who dwells on Thunder Mountain. Alright. What now? We pray. What? He is here. We have only to speak to him. Hmm. Well, you're the internet-ordained reverend, so uh, take it away. We will need the blood sacrifice. What? You're kidding me. That's archaic. That's fucking Old Testament, dude. Wait, you you are kidding, right? Like, we didn't bring... I don't, I don't like the way you're looking at me. Why do you think I needed you here? Uh, <laughs> fuck you, man. Oh, come on. It's a little funny. But it couldn't be you anyway. You're not unblemished. Really? You know, I've been using my wife's face wash. It's, uh, it's really... Oh. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, whatever. Go on. Grow a nutsack, you dickweed. Hey. Hey, can we just sacrifice him? No. I'm afraid not. That would only free him from his meat prison of pork and bacon to cause more trouble. Do it. Fucking do it, you cucks. I'm gonna kill him. You know, you broke my daughter's heart, you little shit. Getting emotional, are we? See, you snowflakes will never have the wavos. To the unknown god once met upon this mountain, Cloud Rider, whose quiver is full of thunder, piercer of the serpent's hide, Brithaniel. Seamaster, I am here. Where is he? Shh. He can hear you. He's in your heart. <clears throat> My god and master. We, your disciples, have tried in vain to exorcise the unclean spirit that has entered this swine. Behold, 
This type of spirit does not come out with only prayer and fasting. What then do we lack? You asked to hear what you will not like. We came all of this way. Please tell us how to get rid of this demon. As I live, I say this type of spirit will not come out with prayer and fasting alone, but with butt sex. who have summoned must banish, just as he who has sinned must be the one to repent. I say to you, I have seen what you have done, and likewise see what you will do. But sex? There must be some other way. I don't want to wreck Matt's butthole. Who <laughs> said you were pitching? You're the artsy one. My God, forgive this vegan a sinner, for I have conceived an undeniable hunger for bacon. I hope you also develop a hunger for sausage, the way things are going. Can we get through a damn episode without a sausage joke? You dickweed started it. Master, hear my plea. There must be some other way we don't do- What sex? That. That is the price your actions have bought. It is that, or continue to cohabitate with the unclean spirit. <laughs> Pugs, hey, buddy. What say we go home? <laughs> Are you kidding me? I kind of want to get exercised, just so I can see you two dweebs forced to- Sorry, whoops. I kicked the ark. Uh, sorry to bother you, master. Looks like we're just heading home now. Depart not so fast from my presence, son of earth. I require a sacrifice to be made. What does your might require? But sex. You both brought a story for your podcast upon my mountain. I demand that you deliver each up to my glory. Begin. Um. Okay. I like to walk in the evening, also in the afternoon, and sometimes before lunch, but most of all in the evening on a fine spring or summer day, when the leaves are out and the gnats are glistening in the air, and you can smell the barbecue of somewhere in the neighborhood and somewhere a truck with its window down is playing music, while some kids in the park throw a frisbee. These are days I like. It's hard to find women to match my height. So when I am walking, I always take the most note of those rare women most compatible with my stature. But I like all beautiful women, and I enjoy seeing them out in the spring and summer, enjoying the evening or afternoon or late morning, and often they are with their families, and I have to think, oh well, she's beautiful, but not for me, and what a beautiful family she has. That's nice. I like options and possibilities. I like to look and see what great diversity is out there, but sometimes... I think I make people uncomfortable. I don't mean to. But sometimes, when I make eye contact and smile when I'm out on my walk, I don't get much positivity in return, or I get a rather offensive look that I think is entirely unnecessary. It's not like I stare at a creep. 
I'm just on a walk like everybody else. But a rumor started going around that there was a creep in the town who had been caught looking at women in a weird way, and I thought I was in a special position to catch him since I was always out walking and I could do something for my community and for the sake of protecting the women. So I kept an eye out through the summer, but I never saw the offensive person. However, it did seem that other people were on edge and suspicious. I got many more weird looks on my walks. Back in my den, I could sit on the floor and draw with my finger in the dirt and imagine scenes of confronting this, this lecherous weirdo and rescuing my town. I came out in the park on a very nice evening with the gnats glistening in the sunset and the cicadas out and singing, and I saw some nice women my height, a whole flock of them playing volleyball on the grass. But a man who was with them seemed angry, and I wasn't sure why, and he had a weapon that he took out of his belt, and he hurt me, and I don't know what I did, but it hurt, and there was a hole in my chest, and it was bleeding, and I found it hard to stand up, and I couldn't walk anymore. The officer assured the girls it was all right now, although they may not be able to resume the volleyball tournament. He pulled out his radio and contacted dispatch as he stood over the four-foot-tall humanoid, some sort of olive-skinned imp with geriatric tufts of thin white hair whose big googly eyes rolled back in his head like squid-colored softballs. Cordell remembered a flash of light and the smell of oil. It was just like the song, screaming tires, busting glass, and the painful scream that I heard last. But it wasn't his baby that he heard screaming. It was the hag with the fingerless wool gloves who sat in front of Safeway with the yellowing cardboard sign that read, God loves you. She sat there for a week and never so much as asked for a penny. Cordell was sober enough to remember seeing her face bounce off of the windshield. Her left eye bugged out with a squelching noise as a red splatter like jelly hit the windshield from the openings on her face. Like a huge beetle. Donnie Trump, huge! He'd thought hysterically before his forehead slammed into the steering wheel and the world lit up like the coming of Christ. Just as the glass rained down around him, he saw another flash, almost green, over the horizon, and then it faded like the dying of a bulb. He awoke to a sour smell and opened his eyes expecting to see hospital lights, but he didn't. He wasn't lying on his back in a bed either. He was sitting, half propped up against a jagged rock. Pressure pushed in all of the sensitive spots in his head. What happened? Think it through, Cord, he thought, but all he could remember was that squelching sound and a flash of light and then the raining glass. He tried to sit up, but his body ached all over. He presumed he was injured somewhere. 
and a good Samaritan was on their way to help him. What about the bag lady, he thought. A voice came from behind him. He found he could move despite the general aching of his body. He tried to stand and found that his legs worked, but he felt detached, drunk even. His body stood, but his mind wandered. I've smelled that smell before, he thought. The voice spoke again. Wake, the voice said, and on the very command, his chest felt as though it would rise from his body. He nearly lifted off of the ground, and suddenly he was very awake. He looked around, but he was standing nowhere near a broken car, a dead woman, or a hospital. Cordell stood in the center of a giant chamber of red rock. A cloaked, hooded man stood in front of him. The man was looking into pages of an old leathery book, but it didn't look like leather. It looked like singed skin, human skin. He could see the purple and the blue veins running through the binding and the tinge of blood along the edge. The adrenaline in Cordell's body was sending him into a panic. No, he thought as his version of torment rushed to him. He had seen this place before as a child after visiting church with his friend Max. The preacher had spit fire and shit brimstone for an hour. That night, Cordell had dreamed he was trapped in hell. This hell. He looked around, and then he smelled the sour smell and realized it was sulfur. The being in front of him was the gatekeeper. At this thought, chains shot out from the wall and bound Cordell by his ankles and wrists. So you know then, disappointing. You have robbed me of torment and it will be returned to you, the man said as the chains grew thorny organic spikes and twisted. Cordell screamed. That's better, the man said, but Cordell thought he sensed apprehension. Everything went dark, and for a moment he blacked out. When he came to, he raised his head and saw the gatekeeper had grown taller, thinner, his robe shorter, his hands longer and more spindly. Cordell was lowered, and the chains disappeared. There were cuts on his arms and legs, but they were less than what he'd imagined. Nothing more than scratches. Do you know where you are? The creature said, its voice different, slightly. I was all Cordell said before his bladder let loose like a water balloon, and he pissed down his legs, and a puddle surrounded his feet. He couldn't bring himself to say it. He started to pass out, but then that strange feeling of adrenaline shot through his body. This was the first time that he realized that he was naked. You'll pay for that. Perhaps you'll have to lick it up, the man said, his face still hidden by the cloak. Another cloaked man appeared almost suddenly and spoke into the man's ear. Ah, it is time for your judgment. Judgment? Judgment for what? He wanted to scream, but he couldn't. He'd been a decent person. A longtime realtor who served his town as a councilman? He'd championed fully funding the soup kitchen and reduced public transport costs nearly single handedly. 
He'd been a good man, but but he was forced to see the things that he'd done in his life. And the scenes were already playing in his mind. As a teenager, he'd wandered into a bedroom at a party looking for his jacket. A tall blonde girl, one of the cheerleaders, was passed out on a bed. Her shirt pulled half up, her bare navel exposed. Cord, drunk himself, had slipped his hand up the rest of the way and gave her breast a squeeze, just so he could feel, so he could know. In college, he and several other students developed a system to regularly cheat on their finals. On his wedding night, he danced with the maid of honor's ass in his hands. He was drunk and sloppy, but he was also hard, and he knew she could feel it. But she didn't pull away, so he carried on until one of his groomsmen cut in. Twenty minutes later, his wife's best friend gave him a hand job in the bathroom. There was more infidelity over the years. As a realtor, he'd had several single women buyers over the years. Two of these women had turned into affairs that lasted until they finally purchased a property. His wife never knew. His wife, he wondered where she was, what she could possibly be doing at that moment. Before he could follow that thought, a needle pierced the side of his head. He heard what sounded like one cloaked man berating another in some strange, guttural-sounding language, but then he blacked out. When he came to, it was like he was linked and streaming all of the best times of his life. Those best times, he realized, were the times that put him in here, in, in hell. He got to relive it all. The party groping, the maid of honor's ass, the blowjob. There was more, too. He'd been a real piece of shit with women most of his life. He didn't abuse them, no. Mostly, he just took what he could get and cheated often. Not so much when he was married, but instead of experiencing the same elated thoughts of ecstasy as he did during his affairs, he felt horror and panic. He screamed to stop, though he suspected these were nothing more than powerful memories. He came as he stood there in front of these creatures, and he knew it. He could feel it like it had just happened, and it was the most horrible moment of his existence for a time, but then he passed out again. This time, there was no adrenaline. Footsteps sounded like metal in a chamber. They echoed. He woke up feeling all of the shame and disappointment of his life closing in on him like the slamming of an iron maiden. In front of him was a jagged piece of glass. He immediately knew what to do. He reached down and clasped it in his hands. He could feel. He pinched his arm and found that he could hurt. He picked up the glass and dragged it from his wrist to his elbow. But as the flesh opened, it immediately closed, scarred and healed. He sat staring, his arm burning. The pain of the action remained, but there was no blood, no wound. He did it again and again. Each time the pain remained, but he would not die. The more he cut and slashed, the more unbearable the accumulation of torment became. Finally, he thought, if I cut off my head, there will be nothing to heal. He ran the glass across his neck 
and sawed as hard as he could before he blacked out. A moment later, he woke with another shot of adrenaline. He found his body was hooked up to several machines. Why would the devil need these, he thought. And then another thought occurred to him. That if the devil's power was more crude than a magic, godlike power, that he had to use cruel instruments of torment. Perhaps that was his power. He raised his head, and the pain in his neck exploded, every nerve lamenting his movement. You cannot end your pain here. Your torment can only increase. The harder you try, the worse the torture. There is only one way to cure the pain, the creature in the hood said. You must absolve yourself. How? Cord asked in a dry rasp and hurt to speak. Discipline, the creature said, but this word seemed to hang out there and waver. Again, the creature sounded unsure. Cord looked up and the creature was looking at him. It was shorter again, different. No, it wasn't shorter at all. It was just, it was just different. Had they changed shifts? He tried to lift his head and look at the creature in the eyes. Beneath the hood, he could see a reflection of two large eyes, like the eyes of some kind of giant bug. They looked at each other for a moment, and though the eyes didn't change, Cord felt invaded by a sensation. Not a thought, but a strong feeling of something like, like pity. And then his chin dropped back down to his chest and everything went black. Cord awoke to find himself looking at the light from a smoldering rock reflected off of a puddle of dripping oil. He was standing up, but he had no memory of how he got there. In front of him was a small table that had metal legs and a crude tool laying on it like a geologist's pick hammer and several large clumps of earth and stone. He heard the voice of one of the creatures but at first it was indiscernible. It was the same language that he'd heard before. It shouted something that sounded like a curse word in whatever language, and then a moment later the creature began speaking. Cord started to laugh. It was all so ludicrous. They sure do fuck up a lot in hell, Cord thought, and then he laughed even harder. The creature suddenly shouted, Shut him up before the others hear! Inject him! Then the creature's voice switched back to the unintelligible sound. Cord looked around. The chains, the hellfire, all of it was gone. And he was just standing in front of a table with tools and rocks on them. The creature in front of him was just standing and looking at him in its robe. It wasn't so terrifying anymore. Cord felt a needle jammed into his neck and suddenly it all came rushing back. The fear, which never really left, came flooding back in. Fire swirled around him as his body poured sweat and his mouth went dry. Leaving what he saw as a doorway was the spiked, dragon-like tail of some unseen beast. His hand, pulled down by spiked chains, gripped the handle of the tool on the table in front of him. The tool shifted in his hands and then searing pain shot through him. Spikes exploded through the backside of his hand, 
where large twisting barbs wrapped themselves and then grew into his hand like tree roots of metal and flesh. His hand was no more. A ghoulish tool, like a small axe, had replaced it. Then the chains pulled his axe hand forward and into the rock in front of him. Pieces flew as his pickaxe slammed into the stone, revealing a golden stone in the center. Gather it, a voice floated through his mind. He reached in and took the stone and then placed it in a large bowl. He worked through stone after stone. Each time his body began to tire, he would feel another jolt, another injection of energy. He couldn't think of anything other than pain, fear, and work, and this cycle went on for hours until once he tired and the injection never came. He found himself hanging like a dead bug swaying on a spider's tether. The ground was no longer red. Some of the metallic floor had reappeared, and instead it looked like he was in a hospital room, a remnant from some apocalyptic event where stone and ash had seared into the metal. Another presence entered the room. He tried raising his head and found that he had more strength than he felt. A bottle of water was pressed to his lips. He drank and drank until he nearly vomited. He looked up to find the short creature in its long dark robe standing before him. Its hood was down as half of its face was a fading hellish grimace. The other half was just one large black eye staring at him, unblinking. He could feel an immense pressure, a feeling like pity and sorrow. Ford looked up, trying to keep his eyes open. On the wall across from him, a sink was beginning to form in the rock and fire. The creature went to it with a large silver syringe in its long spindly hand. It poured the contents down the sink, and then once again Cord lost consciousness. When he awoke, he found himself sitting in a chair, asleep, face first on a cold metallic table. He sat up. There were no scars or scratches anywhere on his body. His right hand was his hand again, but his left was covered in something. It was brownish black and foul smelling. He looked up and found that all over the tables in front of him were giant piles of shit. There was something like a small rock hammer in front of him that was also covered in shit. In the bowl next to him, there were several shit-covered small stones. Normally, Cord would have had to fight not to vomit. But all things considered, being covered in shit really wasn't that bad. And he had to fight back laughter. There were no chains holding him down anymore. And he could stand. Ford turned to find himself looking out of a window. When he looked out of the window, he thought, it looks like Mars. But then he recognized some small desert plants growing along the side of what looked like a road. I've seen this before, he thought, 
and he realized that he was staring at the salt flats of Utah. He could see cars zipping down I-80 in the distance. There was no way to open the window, but there was a door behind him. He crept out and into the hallway. He walked slowly down the hallway, keeping to the wall. The walls were tall and smooth. All of the metal was rounded, and he thought that he walked on a path that was made out of metal too, but it had traction. There were small drone-like machines scanning and cleaning. The air tasted funny to him, but he was able to breathe. He heard a door open, and there were two diminutive beings talking in that strange tongue he had heard before. Is your language converter working? One with a deeper voice said. Yeah, you sound fucking weird, the other answered. You're telling me... So fucked up hearing this language, but understanding it too. Science, it's a beautiful thing. Maybe this planet will figure it out someday, the one said. These fucking religious wackos, the other answered. Doubtful. Hey, before we go in there, take a hit of that. No fucking way, dude. I'm not doing that shit, the first one said and laughed. Yeah, take a hit and go in there. I bet you'd trip balls. I'd fucking lose my mind on a quarter dose. Yeah, but it's not like you'd see fucking hellfire. Hellfire? Yeah, that shit we've been making that little pink ground squatter see. You didn't read the memo, did you? Oh. Uh, Dude. Oh, uh, okay, I, I read a little. Come on. Did you read any more than Genesis? That shit put me to sleep. I read the whole thing. It was hilarious. So what, now I have to take this shit for penance? <laughs> I have to purify my soul? Both creatures roared in laughter. This place is nuts. Too bad we can't stay and tell them we are gods. Ah, they've seen that before a few hundred times. We wouldn't be the first. That, and they've developed nuclear weapons. They may be primitive turds, but they know how to kill shit, especially each other. Oh, dude, wow. It's like your face is melting. How much did you take? Oh, too much. Fuck it. Let's go make the little pink thing mine some more shit nuggets so we don't have to go back to the jeweler empty-handed. If we do that again, my dad will be pissed. Ford crept further down the hall. They're kids, he thought to himself. Fucking teenagers. Ford suddenly felt like the walls were closing in on him. He ran down the hall and turned and went into a large corridor. There was a room in an open chamber that had a door at the end. He crashed through the room to find six three-foot-tall aliens, just like the ones on all the TV shows. They were short and gray, and they had large eyes. They were wearing strange clothes, but their arms and large heads were covered in tattoos, and they had piercings through their small lips and nearly non-existent nostrils. On the walls behind them, were movie posters of movies like Mars Attacks and Independence Day. They were playing some sort of card game. One grunted something that sounded in tone like, Oh, fuck, as a cigarette fell from the corner of its lip. Oh, 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 oh,
Spawned other kin. And let us grown ups speak. I have other business with these sons of Earth. But sex. I have a purpose to send you to my people, to speak my words to them and gather them from the nations. You shall take up your podcast and speak my words to the children of Earth. No longer shall you be monster porn, but now you shall be god porn. No, wait, that doesn't sound right. How about the god cast is that taken? Surely your might has a better pun than that? Never mind. Call it monster porn, I don't care. But take my words, and be my mouthpiece. But, Master, my mouth is unlettered, boorish, ineloquent. Then, take Matt's mouth. You shall be my prophet, and he shall be your prophet. Use his eloquence in my name. But, sex? Shut up, Matt. The god has given you back your sphincter. Sons of Earth... Take my message and spread. We'd rather not spread anything, thank you. What? Spread my... God but sex. Oh, Jesus Christ. Take my word and deliver it in the form of monster porn. Monster Porn Podcast is a production of Warped Box Media. Today's feature was Penance by Matthew Cummins. It was preceded by the short story, Looking at Women from a Distance, by Brett Norwood. Please remember to rate and review on iTunes if you enjoyed this episode. Shut up, human. Your petty calls to action have no place beside my commandments. This appearance is not necessarily an endorsement of the content of this production by the holy personage. Thou shalt do thy homework and turn in before nine on weekdays. These are my commandments. Thou shalt also rate and review on iTunes. I just said that. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Peace.
I'm gonna kill him. Hey, you little shit. My daughters thought they had a fucking teacup pig. And now, I have to tell them that the teacup pig went to the fucking... Where do pigs go, Brett? <laughs> it's not like, a, you know, the fishbowl in the sky. Or... <laughs> uh, uh, the bacon aisle. <laughs> the bacon aisle. <clears throat> if there is any entity capable of... Capital? <laughs> if there is any entity capable, capable. Oh, God damn it! <laughs> what did you say? Capable. Capable. That's able to wear a cape. Do you know where you are? It actually came out that way too. Damn it! The creature suddenly shouted, "Shut him up! The others will heal now." Damn it! The creature suddenly shouted, "Shut him up! For the others will heal." God dang it! Damn it! The creature suddenly shouted, "Shut him up! The others will." The others will hear. That's so hard for me to say for some reason. <laughs>